Welcome to Snares Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk to staff, to pupils and to parents to understand more about life at school. Each episode I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school, and together we speak to a guest, so it's a bit of a three-way conversation. Now in this episode we're talking about internet safety with Steph Barber. She's the computing specialist in school. But first of all, Ralph, good morning. How are you today? Yeah, I'm uh, well. I actually sustained a footballing injury at the weekend uh, and I've been uh, on crutches for the week uh, and uh, but my my foot is my my ankle is healing well and actually I've got more movement in it. So, yeah, that's been to the uh, curiosity of a lot of children um, <laughs> okay. as I hobble round. Well, it's good that you're staying active, if nothing else. Also, good to be back recording again. We, we've had a, a small hiatus, but, uh, it, but, but it's good to be here recording again. How does it feel for you to be back in the saddle doing another podcast recording? Um, <laughs> back in the saddle and hiatus. I'm not sure I like either of those, <laughs> those ideas, frankly. Um, no, it feels, I mean, I'm always, I was very comfortable in your uh, safe hands, Simon. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great to be back and... Uh, uh, yeah, we've got some interesting topics to discuss uh, and to go out over this sort of term. Well, one of them, of course, is today, and we're talking about internet safety. Why have we asked Steph to come onto this recording? Why is internet safety such a such an important thing for school? At the time of recording, it's the week in which we have uh, Safer Internet Day. I mean, obviously, every day is Safer Internet Day, and I guess that's why we are we are having this conversation because we do need to make every day Safer Internet Day. I thought it would be helpful if parents could hear the types of messages that we are talking to their children about, um, because if those children get the message from two different sources, you know, that that uh, that tends to be more effective. So I thought parents would find it interesting from that point of view. OK, well, Steph's waiting to join us right now. So anything else we want to talk about or should we just go ahead and bring her in right now? No, I think I think she's the um, the headline act. So let's just bring her in. Okay, with a warm up, she's a headline. Let's jump across to her now. Steph, thank you for being here. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Fabulous. Thank you for being here then. Now, I see that you're dialing in from home, or at least it looks like home in the background. So for the sake of people that are listening to this right now, we're recording these podcasts online. So Steph, just tell us where you are and if you are actually at home. Yes, yes, I'm at home. This is my day off and uh, I am uh, busy doing my life work, my cleaning, my shopping, all those sorts of things. Fantastic. Well, thank you, especially then for being here on a day off. Tell us what you normally do when you are in school in that case. So I'm the computing specialist teacher at Snaresbrook. I work part time. So I'm in on a Monday and a Friday to teach the children all about computing. OK. And when you're talking about teaching them about computing in particular, it'd be really good to talk about Internet safety. So in a nutshell, tell us about some of the first steps that you take towards ensuring that our children stay safe when they are at Snaresbrook. So it's really good time of year to talk about Internet safety because Tuesday, the 7th of February was Safer Internet Day in the UK. And it's a time where we try and highlight what we're doing in school for internet safety. But uh, online safety teaching happens throughout the year. It's not just a, a one day thing. It's not only taught by me. It's also taught by all the teachers and, and staff across the school by setting a good example of how to use devices correctly and use, use the internet correctly. Uh, we teach online safety from uh, early years all the way up to year six in a progressive uh, age appropriate scheme to try and cover everything that they might need to know about keeping themselves safe online. We are uh, particularly focused on making sure they have a good awareness 
and a good resilience to being online. Um, it's, as you can probably um, guess, it's, it's almost impossible to teach them about exactly what they're going to encounter online. It changes daily, um, the different apps, the different trends and the different dangers that there are for them. Um, so our role is very much making them aware so that they can recognise dangers and that they know what to do if something goes wrong, but that they can also take steps to keep themselves safe in the first place. And as I said, we do that from reception up to our year six. So it starts very early on. Now, you mentioned about age appropriate learning there. Tell us a little bit then about how that changes from children right at the younger end of school, right up to the top end of school? Well, I don't know if this would surprise some people, but I was doing some research for some internet safety training at school. And um, in 2022, Ofcom set a report out that told people about the sort of devices and what children were doing online. And one of the, the figures that came out was that three to four-year-olds, 39% of them have their own mobile phone. Three to four-year-olds? Yeah. <laughs> three to four-year-olds, 39% use a mobile phone. 78% of them will use a tablet, maybe not their own one, but they will use tablets. And 89% um, of three to four-year-olds use video sharing platforms. So they are watching videos, some of them even uploading videos with help of parents. So thinking about making sure it's age appropriate, it's very much about the language we're using and although we're teaching the same sort of skills that we're teaching to year sixes in terms of being aware, thinking about what they're using, what they're uploading, we're using more basic vocabulary for it. And we're obviously getting them to make sure that they are adult mod monitored. So for example, this week, our reception class, our upper foundation stage, they um, did a lovely lesson using Childnet's Smarty Penguin story. And they learned about how when they are online, they should be in the same room as, a, as an adult, uh, as mum or dad or whoever looks after them. Um, and they talked about making sure that if anything worries them, they tell an adult. And that's the first lesson we teach them that whatever they're doing online, they should be communicating it with an adult and they shouldn't be doing it on their own. And then when parents are listening to this right now, they, they may well be thinking, oh, you know, these are things that, you know, I, I didn't know I needed to even be thinking about. To what extent do you feel like parents are slightly in the dark about this? Oh, that's a good question. I get very different responses when I talk to parents about um, internet safety and computing in general, what, what I teach the children. One of the responses is, well, they know it all already. They're so good at it. You know, they're already ahead of me. Um, and I think for some people, there is that fear that it moves so fast and it's so frequently updated that they don't actually understand what the children are doing. And the other response is that they, they're not ready for it like limit it, ban it, you know, stop them going on it. And I think both responses require a lot of communication with the children. And that's that's actually the focus of the Safer Internet Day this year. Their theme for the UK is want to talk about it. And when I did an assembly with all of our pupils, the main message was we're not talking about just communicating when things go wrong, but actually communicating about what is going well. So I would recommend to parents that they're talking about what their children are doing online, not in a policeman kind of way, you know, what are you doing? Um, why are you doing it? 
but more of a, an interested way. So actually showing an interest in the apps and the games that they're playing. I mean, I've, I've got a six-year-old. Um, I'm in amongst it now. He always wants to use apps online. One of his favorites at the moment is Pokemon. He's obsessed. But I now am a regular Pokemon player. I have got on there. I use some of my time to actually find out what mm. he's doing because if I'm using the app, I will understand it more. And that's what I try to do with anything that he's doing, well, in any part of his life, not just online. But I think if we try to show an interest when something's going right, they're more likely to talk to us when something's going wrong. That's a great way of putting it. And uh, a great way, I think, for, for parents to sort of slow down a bit. I'm just putting myself in the shoes of, well, of, of being a parent with a six-year-old. Actually, my children are a bit older than that now. But yeah, you know, taking an interest in what they're doing, I think is a great thing to do. I 100% agree with that. I guess as well, though, we need to look at it through the eyes of a child as well so instead of thinking to ourselves what we might automatically think which is well that's a pointless thing to do you know what why do you want to spend time doing pokemon i don't, I don't actually know what pokemon is actually Steph. but uh, you know what's the point in doing that instead looking at it through their eyes and thinking right this is something that they're doing this is something that their friends are doing at school it's important to them therefore it needs to be important to me is that the kind of thing that you mean I totally agree. Yeah. Another thing that came out of the Ofcom report, which was really interesting, is, is a lot of children like watching videos. That's one of the biggest uses of the internet for children. It's gaming and watching videos. And as an adult, this is something that I don't understand at all. Because it said 65% of children watch videos that are just jokes, jokes and pranks. I suppose it's like the old TV that we used to watch that was the very, you know, slapstick telly, that sort of comedy show. But they're watching it online and it's just your everyday person doing it. The next ones are things like music videos, game tutorials. So they just watch someone else playing a game. I don't, I don't understand that at all. And, and the other one is the unboxing. Have you heard about this? So children watch videos of people unboxing something. So if I bought, say, a new pair of trainers, I would video myself unboxing them. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pausing here. I can see from the confused <laughs> look on your face. But again, that's me defaulting to an adult point of view as opposed to seeing it through the eyes of a child. Exactly. And it's it's really important that if that's what your child's into, you're, you're sort of exploring it and working out what it is they're actually getting out of it. Because I, I've actually seen videos on um, TikTok that is people opening packs of Pokemon cards. That's that's the videos. And once you look at one, of course, the algorithms in the video streaming platforms just send you more and more. But it is just watching somebody else open something. Mm -hmm. And these are incredibly popular. Um, the Ofcom report found that 35% of children watch these videos regularly. So I totally understand what you mean when you say coming from a parent's view, like, what, why is my child wanting to watch this? But it is something that you have to explore and and find out and talk to them about equally though i'd far sooner my child was looking at something like that instead of spending time talking to uh, someone else who's pretending to be a child but really they're an adult i mean where's the overlap there you know wh where could children encounter that kind of thing well so this is this is where i find um the video streaming platforms quite difficult to to navigate in that the algorithms are quite aggressive if once you click on something and watch something for a certain length of time it will fill your feed with things that are similar but it can from what i understand of it it can very quickly turn more sinister or or give you content that maybe you don't want to be watching and i think that there is a danger of 
as a parent thinking, oh, my child's just doing that and that's the website they always use and it's fine, but you need to still be monitoring it. Mm. Um, from personal experience, my son used to like watching Thomas the Tank Engine when he was really little and he was clicking on different Thomas the Tank Engine videos and then one came up that somebody else had made. It wasn't an official mm -hmm. one. To him, it was just Thomas the Tank Engine, but I noticed the voices were different and the story was very unusual and there wasn't anything sinister in it, but it was very quick how he could just be innocently clicking on something. And that's why actually in upper foundation stage, our, our early years and in year one and year two, we do a lot of work on, it's not your fault if you've clicked on something, but if it's not quite right, if it doesn't seem quite right, tell an adult. That's that's always our bottom line. If, if if you think something's a bit odd or it's not how it usually looks, tell an adult. And even into year four, for example, we talk about when you're using an app, and this happens to adults as well, when you're using an app and you get AdFly, where you get the uh, adverts popping up and saying, you know, open this, download this, you know, you need to install something. And it's not actually part of the app, it's just adverts. Um, and I teach year four and above how to recognize those and how to make sure they're not clicking on them because obviously that's how you get malware and viruses onto your devices and that's where you can you can get problems. So we look at how to actually recognize what is an official part of an app and what isn't. Mm. And the bottom line always is, if you're not sure, ask somebody. Mm. And I always show them examples of ones that I've been fooled by. You know, as an adult, I always say to them, it's not because you're a child that I'm teaching you this. It's because everybody needs to know mm. it. And you will find if you talk to your parents about it, they will have experiences where they've clicked on things and it's not quite been the right thing. And it's that honesty. And that, again, it just comes back down to communication and, and being able to talk to them about it. Um, and then the children get quite quickly they they get used to looking at a screen and saying right that's an advert and that's something that's not to do with my app or my game and this is actually where i want to be playing so um they learn it quite fast but it's it's a really important lesson ralph if you don't mind me asking knowing that you have children yourself i mean how do you manage this kind of thing with your own children at home from a forever all the um apps that they access have to be they they come to me to be all center or like uh, authorized, so because we are an Apple ecosystem in our family, and my my son's you know approaching sixteen now, and he will still happily, you know, do that. He's never said, "Oh, is it time for," you know, I don't think I need to do that anymore. He understands why that's important. Again, we spent a lot of time, and I still do talking about how people are trying to get you to use the internet that suits them rather than suits you. So um, the bane of my life was avatar skins or there's a new, what were you saying, Steph, the other day about boxes that you can... Loot boxes. Loot boxes. What's, what's a loot box? I've never heard of this before. So in a lot of games, I think loot boxes mainly came in through Fortnite. But even, like I said, my six-year-old plays Pokemon, um, that has trainer boxes and different boxes you can buy some of them are they're basically imagine like a cardboard box comes to your door you pay someone i don't know how much they are a lot of the time maybe a fiver and you get this box but you don't know what's going to be in it so it's 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 a form of gambling i suppose yeah it's yeah but it's it's like hello fresh 
but but you don't know if you're getting a cucumber or exactly so in in a game like pokemon or fortnite you don't know if what kind of items you might be getting you might be getting a really rare avatar skin like ralph said or you might be just getting something that you could get anywhere so it's a bit of a gamble what you're going to get but it's it's heavily encouraged as with a lot of um games on your phones and things you get to a certain point where you can't really get any further unless you start paying for things, uh, whether it's more coins to spend in the shop or or loot boxes. And some people will advertise, oh, you know, I, I bought this loot box and I got this amazing thing. And obviously then that encourages children to say, oh, hang on, I want to spend a fiver of my pocket money and get something. But it becomes addictive. What could I get? What might I get in the box? And, and, and like Ralph said, uh, it's it's getting the children to understand that they might not play this game forever and what they're actually effectively buying is just a picture on the screen they're not actually getting anything for their money and i think i think it's part of the whole life lesson isn't it i mean my my little boy has just started getting pocket money but to teach him what's actually worth him spending that money on and why it might not be a worthwhile use of his money to buy something on an app and sort of get them to think about that. But um, Ralph's got a really nice phrase. Ralph, what's that phrase you use about peer pressure? And Oh, I always... So, no, it's not mine. I wish I could remember the lady. But it was... Uh, I think it. she said, needs trump rules. So, you know, we often put rules in place. So this was this was maybe 10 years ago. And she said, you will constantly... And her work was a charity helping parents, helping children that have got themselves on trouble in line, usually sharing pictures that they shouldn't have done. And then trying to recover those and stuff like that. And she said, in every case, you'll say to the child, but you know you shouldn't do that. And the child says, yeah, I did. And then you say, so why did you do it? And they go, don't know. And they genuinely are perplexed as to why they did it. And she said it's because of, you know, the fundamental drivers in life, the needs, the one for affiliation, the one to be important to people. You know, these are deep rooted in our emotional brains to keep us safe you know that the herd is very important to human survival trump's rules and i think that's that comes in when the children are, are talking in the playground or with their friends or family about you know what level they're on or what weapons they've got for a game or what what skins they have for their avatars and they want the best they need the best they need the best so that they can talk about it and show off with it i suppose and and have what all their friends have got so there is this desire to be spending money on on the games for those things so i mean you know coming back to like something you said to how have i ever approached it and i please i do not hold myself out as a a model to be copied but i mean i do think these are actually just life lessons learnt online i, I, I actually think the wisdom between knowing how to cope with life is not that different to knowing how to cope with it on the internet. I mean, there are certain nuances and details that are different and require a slightly different um, approach. But the overall principles are the same. You know, people have always used our desires to get what they wanted. I mean, advertisers have been doing it for years. And it's easy for us to look at the internet and the children and say, oh, you know, this is a problem. But I've always approached it. Actually, if I can, in this controlled environment, use this as a lesson for my child to start thinking about, okay, so, you know, what is in it for me? Because I'd always say to them, have you noticed how it's never enough? You're going to need something in a week's time, you know, and they'll change the game. Or Fortnite, I think, would wipe the world and they'd 
then release a new world. So it all starts again. I said, why are they doing that? They're doing that because how do they make their money? Well, we do this. And so who's benefiting? And, you know, as they have grown up, they have certainly my son has taken that lesson. Um, you know, he I think that has really become embedded. Can I add to that, Ralph, that so you saying about it being like real life? I think the, the main I totally agree. I think the biggest change is speed. So when I was younger, there was bullying. There was notes in the playground or in the classroom. But now it's on a mobile phone and it is shared instantly um, with with buying things. I mean, you see in news reports about children who have racked up sort of thousands of pounds worth of debt on mobile phone apps because they it's a click. It's not going to the shop to get the best pair of trainers. It's just a click and they've spent the money. It's gone. Um, and, and I think, like Ralph was saying, the speed at which companies bring out new series of something or or update something is so fast that children have the same wants and desires that we had when we were children, but the world is a lot quicker at, at changing than it used to be. And it's, it's making them learn the same lessons that we had to learn. But um, I think sometimes the consequences for not learning those lessons can be worse because of the speed at which, which things happen nowadays. And, and, um, when I spoke to staff earlier this term about internet safety, I said to them that the, one of the biggest things that we have to communicate with the children is that adults aren't against children using the internet and they shouldn't be, or some adults maybe, but they shouldn't be. We never say to children, don't cross the road. Roads must not be crossed. It's dangerous, but we teach them how to use them safely. We, you know, if there isn't any, I guess, um, a pedestrian crossing would be the equivalent of a filter or a parental control. If there is no parental control, then you have to look left and right and be aware for yourself and put yourself in a safe place and safe, safely cross. If there are the parental controls or the filters, then you use those. But it's it's that it's having that knowledge of how to use it safely. And I always say to the children, you know, the internet is an amazing place and it can be used for so many great things. I'm not telling you not to use it. And I think that's really important. And it has that sort of real life, like Ralph said, it's it's about life lessons, but online. Steph, I'm loving that analogy of, of using using the road because you're right. You know, you, you'd never teach a child to never cross a road. It's just a case of crossing the road safely. I'm keeping an eye on time. If anyone's been listening to this and maybe they've got any concerns about how they should be managing things at home, or if they just want to find out a bit more about what happens in school, how could they get in touch with you, Steph? So for children, we've just launched um, a pupil forum on our Purple Mash website. So we are members of Purple Mash. It's an online resource site for, that we use at school. The children have logins for it. And we have a forum on there where children can share what they do online and also get in contact with me if they have any difficulties and if they want to ask anything. We've currently got some fantastic posts that children have shared about what they um, what they love doing online and making recommendations to each other about how to stay safe, which is really lovely. Um, for parents, it'll be emailing the school and contacting us. Um, I think we're hoping to hold possibly some online safety training later in the year um, for parents. And I know that we're going to be sending out some information about our online safety curriculum as well, so that parents are more informed about what we're covering in school. 
but yeah email is the best way just asking us anything that they need to know awesome that's great that's really reassuring and steph's been great hearing about what's going on in school thank you so much thank you so ralph that sees the back of steph but great to talk to her about internet safety what are your thoughts on all of that oh i have so many and i do actually i think i want to start by just reiterating my sort of caveat that what follows i'm not entirely sure what will follow that's the beauty of this podcast nobody quite knows where it's going um they are just my unstructured, maybe uninformed, ill-informed thoughts, but they are they are offered up. You know, they haven't coalesced into an opinion or a theory or anything of any value. I just share them and I offer them to people to sort of um, take from it what they will. But I think the key messages that I have always held close to me um, starts with I mentioned, and again, I do apologise to the lady and I cannot remember her name and I wish I could, who'd said, you know, needs Trump rules. She also said, again, in her experience, as a parent, think to yourself, when things go wrong, to whom do you, do you want your child turning? Is it going to be you? Because mm -hmm. they're going to turn to somebody for help. Hmm. And if it isn't you, then who is it? Hmm. And are you comfortable with that? And actually, I think that's that I can actually think of experiences in my own or maybe not my own adolescent life. But, you know, when I was an adolescent, seeing other people going through difficult situations and they did turn to people that weren't their parents and maybe they made decisions that their parents weren't that comfortable with. I think if we take that, I thought that was very sage advice back then. Um, and I think if we apply that, you know, and she was applying it to, to, the, to the issues of safer internet use. I think this is where the message has started to change. So Steph was talking about, um, she used the, the analogy of the road and that we don't teach, we, you know, we wouldn't tell children not to go near the road or use the road, but we direct them to a crossing. And actually, I was going to jump on that sort of metaphor and say, actually, I think the crossings are like the apps that we can trust, the websites we can trust. So again, one of you asked me about the messages I give to my own children or how do I handle that so I pay what I feel are quite large amounts of money to subscribe to YouTube so my children don't receive adverts you know I will pay for apps rather than the free versions and I tell them look you know these companies have to make money somehow you know so I'd rather pay for one and know what I was handing over and know what I was getting rather than something that's free and you're not entirely sure. So that, again, usually cuts down on, you know, adverts and things that are, you have less control over. Again, this, it's this idea of talking. How can we ensure that when things go wrong or things that are uncomfortable or when, because again, there's a spectrum, you know, we tend to think about the, the worst case scenarios that make it onto the, um, I was going to say the front page, how old fashioned is that, you know, but, you know, the, the, the things that make the news and upset us. But actually, there's a there's the spectrum comes back from, you know, the sort of mistakes they will make are probably going to be, you know, not as severe, but they're going they are going to be upsetting and they are going to need to know how to navigate those situations. And who are they going to talk to? And we want them to talk to people you know, a trusted adult would be the phrase we would use. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a parent, but it's good if it's a parent. Mm. You know, it's good if it's a teacher. You know, it's good if it's somebody in authority. And again, I think for those of us in those positions as parents, as a trusted adult, 
how do we ensure that happens? So we've changed, there's a very um, familiar rule called the SMART rule when you're dealing with things online. Um, you know, so the T is often tell, but we've changed that to talk. So if there's something, let's talk about it. Because again, we don't, lots of children will not want to get their friend into trouble or they don't want to get themselves into trouble. They know they shouldn't have clicked on it. So if they think, oh, I've got to tell somebody, I tell when I get, and then I get told off. Mm. You know, you tell and then children get yeah. told off. Yeah. So we've changed it to talk. We want to talk about it. And again, it comes into the narrative or the ideas of victim shaming. This is something that Steph's been really keen to promote amongst staff. Uh, not victim shaming, but preventing victim shaming. So again, when a child says, oh, I was on WhatsApp and my friend said this, three or four years ago, the first response would be, we shouldn't be on WhatsApp. That's victim shaming. You've done something wrong. It's your fault that somebody has said something unkind to you. And being aware of that and saying, okay, so what was said? And dealing with that bit, not the, you shouldn't have done that. You, can, you maybe want to talk about that at another point, but in the moment they open up to you, that's not the moment. Again, being interested in their lives makes you relevant. Again, there was, we touched on that topic, I think maybe... You know, Steph said that parents will say, well, they know more than me. But again, if and maybe sometimes the children think, oh, well, you won't know what to do because it's different now. I mean, every every generation has thought that their life was harder than the one before. Mm -hmm. And every generation thought that their parents didn't understand. And then every parent grows up and thinks, oh, actually, they probably understood more than I knew. You know, and there are differences. You know, let's not make two bones about it. But I do think you know, the principles that underpin the wisdom probably do transcend the problems. And if you're willing to be open and listen to it from the, the child's perspective, you can help them navigate the nuance of the new that perhaps you don't know, but with the wisdom that transcends time. And I think the other thing is understanding that the internet is not an add-on to these children's lives. You know, for us, it's an online life. To them, it is life. Mm. You know, particularly my generation. You know, I remember dial-up. You know, I remember mobile phones being invented and, you know, we did, nobody had one. The, but that's not our children's experiences. This is their life. We criticise their use of it. And I sometimes wonder, you know, so, oh, they're always on their devices. They're always, you know, what are they doing on their devices? Um and I wonder if you took yourself back to the 1500s, you know, the printing press was made in 1440 something, I don't know. Um, you'd be going, oh, look at them, reading. Look at them, reading. And then, yeah. you know, by the 1500s, you'd be going, look, they're always reading, reading stuff that isn't the Bible. Terrible ideas. You know, and if it's by the 1800s, you'd be going, all these political ideas they've got. I've got my wife, she's reading, always reading. My daughter wants the votes. It's crazy, you know. It's, it's changing times and it's 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 not being scared of that change and it's but, not but, all bad so often people are scared of that change but it's just i mean should, should we be scared as parents should we be fearful of this or 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 just simply find ways to to follow that advice that steph was giving us well i think this i think for me this is the point one there is you cannot stand with your finger in the dam you know pandora's box is open you, you can't stop it two for every you know, there, there is good and bad in it, um, as there has been in everything. And we need to help them 
learn to navigate that safely. That's all we can do. It's all we've ever been able to do in life um, is to be able to, to help them best use what is out there um, and to do it as safely as they can. It's going to get even more bizarre if the metaverse takes off. I don't even really know what the metaverse is, but you know, the thought- I don't of, think any of us do really. <laughs> all I've ever heard is that you might be able to be in a game and then order a pizza from like Domino's in the game. Mm -hmm. And then actually Domino's would turn up at your door. How bizarre a blurring of the virtual and the real would that be? You know, I think we have to accept that this now is life and we need to be confident that actually we do have some wisdom that can be shared and that, you know, common sense can still be common sense if we're, if we're willing to, you know, engage in the dialogue and talk to them and be interested in their world um, and just ensure that, you know, when it goes wrong, they trust us as somebody to talk to. But to be honest, that could be, that could be raising children you know so um those are my thoughts for and i'm sure they're not all good ones <laughs> and if any of them were good ones i'd be really happy but um you know i heard chris evans say only if you're lucky only 10 percent of all your output output will be of any quality <laughs> so uh of all those words i reckon 10 percent. if I, that would be a good return i'll, right, so. I'll take 10 percent. i'll be happy with that and actually little fun fact uh, i i looked up i just looked up needs trump rules to find out who the woman was that you're talking about because you mentioned her twice and i thought we should at least try and give her a bit of credit i can't actually find her but it did come up with a miami herald news report not about needs trump rules but actually Trump needs rules, which is all to do with <laughs> with a certain US president. But I think we'd better leave that for another podcast recording. Ralph, uh, keeping an eye on time, probably best to bring this one to a close. But but thank you for being here. It's always good to talk to you. Uh, anything else you want to add to this while we're here? No, not at all. No, uh, you know, uh, I'm always here. Feel free to reach out and contact us at the school. But no, thanks, Simon. It's been great. Fantastic. Well, look, our next episode is coming out soon. So if you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed, then do click that link to, to follow or subscribe to this podcast. That just means that when the next episode comes out, you do get a little notification on your smartphone. But in the meantime, let's bring this one to a close. Ralph, how should we close these episodes now? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Let's, say, let's try saying, uh, so it's goodbye from both of us. Okay, so after three... Are we going to sound like the two Ronnies? Well, no, because no, they, they did it separately, but we're going to do it in sync. So it's goodbye from both of us. Are, are we ready? What, are we going with goodbye for both of us? Are we going for a bye for now? I mean, that's your catch. That's your, that's bye your for signature now. sign. It is. it is, yeah. So it's bye for now and it's bye for now. Okay. I think we should just end. I think they should just, I think you should just cut it dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to cut it dead right about now. <laughs>